And we are culture. Nothing moves without us. We just continue to give it away. Hip hop has come a long way since its first mainstream hit in 1979. Back then, it was a new genre. Everyone thought it was just a passing fad. No one paid attention to the signs. I get on stage and I could go, um, they say the black and the berry, and everybody go, sweeter than juice. I was like, whoa. Fast forward to 2021, and the hip hop industry is worth about $30 billion annually. And it's currently the most popular genre, but it may soon be pushed to the second most popular, but we'll talk about that later. To give you an idea of just how big this industry is, in 2018, the NFL organization generated more than $16 billion in revenue. Just looking at these numbers made me think, why are there so many artists who are broke when the industry is worth so much? Where's all the money going? Oh no, I didn't lose, see, because I sold six and a half million copies, so won. I won. Trust me, you can sell 10 million albums and be broke if you have greedy people behind you. What can be done to fix this? How do we create the future that we want to see? I've heard a few people say the hip-hop needs a union. We really need a hip-hop union. Yeah, I remember that. We stayed on the phone for an hour and 45 minutes. And that's a start. But who's going to be the one to create it? Now, I brought up the NFL because there are many similarities. But the key difference between the NFL and the hip-hop industry is structural organization. Hip-hop is unorganized, unbalanced, and it lacks leadership. And no, we can't keep looking at Jay-Z and Diddy to come save it for us. If there was a rapper that, would, that should ever run for president, I believe that rapper would easily, or should easily be Jay-Z. By 1999, hip-hop was the most listened to genre, but mainstream America just didn't want to admit it. They were afraid of it. They were afraid of change, especially when they couldn't control it. Anything deemed viable can be designed to a business. Hip-hop is no different. We sold 10 million copies of Men in Black, and that was back when you were buying CDs for $16.99, so we did really well. But what was astounding to me, and which changed my career, was not that we sold 10 million copies, was that those glasses sold 14 million. The glasses sold more than the album, and the glasses paid nothing to be a part of the campaign. Like I said, the hip-hop industry is a $30 billion industry. In order for us to properly reorganize, we need to audit our assets. How is income generated? For this example, I use hip-hop culture as a whole. We currently have Recorded songs, touring, podcasts, television shows, clothing, sneakers. As you can see from these examples, many of these placements are not owned by participants of the culture. We're merely used as employees. That's if you're lucky. We've even brought awareness to products without getting anything in return. You were promoting Henny like crazy. I know. Like, and, yeah, that was one of my mistakes. That was one of my mistakes, man. I don't, I don't know if they gave you a bag for that or, or, or... That was my mistake. That was definitely my mistake. I, that's one thing I do regret. We tried to, man, but we we jumped, too, we jumped too far. It was like 
why we need you. You've already made us big, you know what I mean? Thus, allowing for major companies to profit from our culture for free. Now, let's go back to the NFL. What I admire most about the NFL is how organized they are. They have a pretty solid structure. Now, my first thought was, how can we implement some of what the NFL has to our own culture? Well, let's look at how they started. They started with just eight teams, and they all put $100 in to build a collective. Now, the NFL shares similarities, uh, revenue similarities with hip hop. They sell tickets, clothing, and just like we talked about, advertising. What's unique about the NFL is under the NFL's current collective bargaining agreement, players are entitled to no more than 48.5% of the generated league's revenue. The owners split the revenue with the players. That is not the case in hip hop. The owners in the hip hop give away their rights to the major labels and they're lucky if they get 13% in revenue. They're lucky. If we use a similar multi-team concept, for example, what are some of the teams we have where some of our well-known labels such as Def Jam, Cash Money, Rockefeller, Bad Boy, Good Music. This will organize culture and black out any unwanted participants. Of course, the labels that I just named wouldn't work because they're fully owned or in part by one of the three big labels, which is Sony, Warner, or Universal. So what do we do now? We can either cry and fight to get ownership back, which probably wouldn't happen. I know, all that hard work of building a company and brands for many years just to have it all flushed down the toilet. But the reality is, we can't cry over spilled milk. Many of these master recordings were in the hands of major companies, if they still even exist. Because back in 2008, Universal had a massive fire and it ruined about 500,000 original masters. And this is some of the greatest artists of our time, including Snoop Dogg, 50 Cent, and even Michael Jackson. But no one was made aware until 2020. Isn't that ridiculous? These people's master recordings were lost in the fire they didn't make anyone aware to at least 10 years later. So does 50 Cent have a lawsuit? What about Snoop? Can they move in a different angle since these masters no longer exist? We'll make a video about that next time. But anyway, all the labels that I named previously were named, were created pre-2020. Now that we're in 2021, there are just new realities that we have to face. So what can we do? One solution is to create new legacy brands with systems in place. Right now, we need money to grow those brands. But due to the pandemic, hip-hop's greatest income generator, Torn has come to a halt. Torn may never look the same again, and we don't know if arenas will be used until at least next year. Who knows? You see what they're doing with the basketball. So what are some solutions for this? One solution I have is smaller venues. Of course, this may be the way to go for the next couple of years or so, but if artists want to make the same amount of money that they made pre-2020, they're looking at doing multiple shows a night. It would take a long time for our new organizations to be profitable if we go down this route. So looking back at the NFL, 
what they did is purchase venues, i.e. stadiums, and the owners make money by leasing the naming rights to major companies such as MetLife, AT&T, and I'm not sure if OVO did that with um, the gym at the Raptors, but what we could do, or so if companies like Rock Nation or this current company that we're uh, creating right now, will lease, we will buy smaller buildings or even lease them or rent them and charge major companies like uh, Citibank or AT&T, any, any major companies and charge them naming rights through multi-year deals and that's how we'll supplement the money instead of doing multiple shows a night. And that, that could help. So that's one idea. Another idea is digital experiences. Now we're moving at a very fast rate, uh, much faster rate than we thought, but we could use holograms. I know previously before we used holograms uh, for people that's passed away, such as Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, uh, Tupac, um, what if we used artists that are still alive um, or some type of animatronic with AI, similar to what Disney does at Disney World. Um, this would protect the artist and the patron because the digital experiences doesn't get tired. It can complete an unlimited amount of shows back to back to back, do an unlimited amount of meet and greets, and they can be done at multiple cities at once. So that's one solution. And I know uh, a current solution that we're all, what a lot of labels are doing right now, is digital performances or virtual performances. Uh, and I don't think they have any longevity. One, because they're terrible. There's no way to tell because these are all private companies. Uh, there's no way to tell how much money that they're making, but I doubt that it's a lot. I know that Megan Thee Stallion had a virtual performance earlier uh, in the quarantine. I know, uh, Fabulous hosted one, or it was presented by Def Jam, his concert. I saw the ads all over social media. I don't know one person that paid a ticket to watch a virtual performance of Fabulous, but I just don't think it's a path that we should continue to, continue to pursue. Uh, I just don't think it has longevity in these virtual performances. And there are platforms like Versus that help increase with the streaming numbers, but streaming is definitely not the bread and butter for these artists especially if you're signed to a major label. We don't have enough clarity of the volume of the stream. You often hear me say, how will we ever know what a stream is worth? Based on my over my million and a half streams, I made $28.64. Get and we weren't the ones to make the agreement of the value. So what Spotify has decided to do and just did recently was renegotiated their agreements with all of the major record labels. The record labels used to get about 58%. I mean, we talked about 70%. 12 of that would go to the publishers. 58% would go to the record companies for those recordings, to license the recordings for the streaming services. And uh, Spotify decided to, and did, renegotiate all of their agreements with the major three major record labels and even the Association of uh, Independent Labels, Merlin, where they reduced those payments based on the initial payments that they're paying now. So they went from about 58%, it's been said, I mean, these are confidential agreements, down to almost maybe 52% with some of the labels. Like the agreement with Spotify. So that'll be difficult to tell. Next, we have allocating of the masters. Within the last few weeks, 
I've been hearing a lot about selling music catalogs from Lil Wayne to the Dream. I found a clip on the Chapitol podcast and I'll add a clip. L.A. Reid sold 100% of his publishing catalog to Hypnosis. The Dream, Jonte Austin, Timbaland, Sean Garrett, RZA, Mark Ronson, who's done a bunch of songs from Amy Winehouse to Bruno Mars, Uptown Funk, even outside of hip hop too, you have Journey, Barry Manilow, and that's just with one fund, Hypnosis. Why are so many artists willing? Um, why are so many songwriters and producers willing? Probably because they have less income coming. And they discuss this very topic. I understand people need money and they sell their stakes and songs, so it gives them a large lump sum but we have to look at the long-term effect. What are these companies buying up the masters and why? What value do they see in these masters that we aren't seeing? For one, music marks time. It ignites memories in our brains. Thoughts can't be erased and this is the value. One company that I like to highlight is Hypnox Hypnosis. Um, it's a song fund founded in 2018 by Merck Mercutis. And this is the same guy who's managed many artists, including Beyonce. It's like a mutual fund for songs. And there's about six other music IP funds that I was able to find. Um, and you guessed it, none of them are owned by black people. But it's still a very early industry. With hip hop being the number one genre since the late 90s, there's an amazing opportunity to capitalize on our assets. But of course, we have to move as a collective. Even if it's a small collective, because everyone being on the same page just isn't a reality. If hip hop was organized, we could create our own music IP fund. That way, the artists retain ownership and people who are part of the culture, like me, who knows what they're doing, can oversee the fund. It would suck to have to, if one of our major artists of today passes away and they lose all ownership of their songs. For example, Prince. He doesn't even own Purple Rain. Did you guys know that? He doesn't own Purple Rain, the labels own that. And they even gave a tour of his house. They were selling tickets for people to walk through his house. Is that what we want for our current greats? It's gonna stay that way unless someone jumps in and changes the trajectory. That's our responsibility, our generation, the millennial generation, we need to fix this. And we also need to be aware of the Latin genre. They're growing every day we'd be fools not to acknowledge them. There is a possibility that the hip-hop genre will not be number one forever. Things change. Expect it. Rock used to be number one, remember? All I'm saying is, within the next 10 years, there will be more Spanish speakers in the country of the U.S. than in Spain. All I'm saying is, we shouldn't get too comfortable. We need to capitalize on our current position. Now, what are some obstacles to organizing? Oversaturation. It's a lot easier today to release music than it was in the past, which means music from the past will be worth a whole lot more just because there's not as many. We've never been in a predicament like this. We're in a unique moment of time. We don't know what the future holds because a lot of artists today who are single rappers they may have a hit single or a few hit singles and they'll disappear. It's hard to say which popular song today will be played at the cookout 20 years from now. Another obstacle is many of our older rappers don't have the flexibility. 
They don't own our, they don't own their masters. And if they're the foundation of this hip hop genre, they're the foundation of this organization, how can we work with them? A lot of them don't even own their own likeness or they're in debt to the label, i.e. Lauryn Hill. What we have to ask ourselves is, do we help them or do we let them go and forfeit them to the labels? Should we just accept that hip hop history will be in the hands of people that's not from the culture? In conclusion, companies are doing well with finding solutions. Companies such as Rock Nation, United Masters, BET, or even my company, Ringley, which is a free television streaming app. Now, these are just some of my thoughts and opinions on how to fix the pillar of black culture and taking back ownership. Economics is what drives every business. We are culture. In order for us to see improvement, we must organize. I'm the change I wish to see. Join me. Now, if you made it this far in the video, thanks for watching. Please like and subscribe for more business related content. I think next time I wanna talk about uh, Charlemagne building a partnership with iHeartMedia and putting a black network under the iHeartMedia umbrella and how that was one of the stupidest business decisions of 2020. Or how uh, Dave Chappelle didn't own his IP for the Chappelle show. And, an, and what I, an idea that I have that prevent that from ever happening ever again. I want to put that into a video. So stay tuned, like, subscribe, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. It's all about trying to help somebody cross. While everybody was fighting for a seat at the table, talking about Oscar so white, Oscar so white, I said, y'all go ahead and do that. But while you fighting for a seat at the table, I'll be down in Atlanta building my own.